Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Hey, welcome back. It's been over a month since uh, we've had a podcast out. We've been super busy with summer. How's it been going, Jacob? It's been good. I wanna I wanna apologize to our listeners for for us being on that little break there, but. Um... Yeah, we've been we've been busy in in the musical world. Mm. You know, summer involves going all over the place. I was in Switzerland for three weeks. I'm sorry, Hannah, you were not in Switzerland. For I three was not weeks, so. in Switzerland, but that's, so we couldn't that's record. Fine. I'm but. very happy for you <laughs> for being in Switzerland. Um, What's yeah. been going on here? Work. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're the symphony. Why the the ISO is wrapping up its its summer season. Though the orchestra's off um, for the rest of the summer, uh, we are wrapping up our our concerts at our outdoor home, Connor Prairie, and we've got just a handful left. So I've been busy with that and busy getting ready for the new season, which is about to start very very soon. Yeah, which which I'm excited about. It's it's. Uh... It's like going to be a good one. A couple weeks away. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple weeks away. I miss everyone in the orchestra. It's glad it's good to have you back, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. So, and now we're back with episodes. So, for our listeners, um, our devoted listeners who are probably wondering where the third episode of our live performance series is first of all, thank you so much for listening. And <laughs> um, second, we are still we're looking for the perfect uh, soloist to interview for this and once we are back with the orchestra um, we're gonna have some good soloists coming in for this for this episode to wrap things up and finish up the live performance series so yeah it's so we be will good. we will do that at some point it's uh it's coming but, but it's in the works we will uh we'll get to that when we get to that and and today today I thought um if it's okay with you we we've planned a little bit less than usual but since we've been gone for so long I figured it would it would be interesting to talk it. yeah, yeah. And, we're and not in school anymore like <laughs> it's this isn't work like yeah this is it takes a little bit of work to put on the podcast but it's yeah. fun yeah and it's meant to be fun not exactly. just for us Jacob but for the listeners too so we thought that we'd have a fun conversation Let's do about it. conducting yeah conducting specifically because that's that's my job, and so it, I uh, I think about it a lot. But also, that is what uh, I've been doing for the past four weeks. I went to a just four weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. It's been a while. I um, I went to a festival in, in in Switzerland, as mentioned, and I was there conducting, and uh, I was there with several other young conductors. We were working with this fabulous uh, orchestra of mostly Swiss, German, French professionals who come to this place for the summer. Um, And I'm sure we'll do more episodes on kind of what what being a conductor is like. I think actually that's a... It's a really interesting position. The, The conductor position, it involves a lot of stuff that our listeners would be interested in, not only purely musical stuff, but it's also 
a leadership position. Mm. It's uh, there's a huge amount of psychology that goes into the position of motivating a, a large group of people, yeah. um, communicating with a large group of people. But as this was a a European festival, I happened to be the only American uh, at this festival, and there were a couple. Americans who had moved to Europe, um, who played in the orchestra, but but I was the only American conducting, and it was there was mm. not a big American contingent, um, and I was really struck by some of the differences in American and European yeah. orchestral culture. Was that difficult and disorienting for you to just be like the outsider yeah i you know um i, I mean I you get say, along with everyone so you know, i get a, I, I get along with people but i have to say you know it's um i'm a very privileged person i'm not you know i i am not gonna say that i have been unlucky in any element of my life i'm very fortunate to have good family all this stuff i grew up very well I haven't been the subject of very much of any, I'd say, bias mm. or prejudice or felt like an outsider yeah. very much in my life. And it's no criticism to anyone there, but but there was definitely a slight anti-American, I'd go so far as to say kind of bias or, or prejudice in the sense that, and something that I hadn't felt a lot before of... Um, you know, Americans have this often in the musical world have this view of themselves and Europeans certainly have this view of Americans as like not quite understanding classical music, not being having the same level of refinement that mm. that Europeans do because it's a primarily European yeah. art form. It didn't originate in America, yeah. so I get that. Yeah. Um, but I I felt that, yeah. It wow. Was, it was interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. And it, you know, it came into play uh, when I want to talk about the differences. I think one of the biggest reasons why I sensed so much difference between the two um, was because of that kind of bias. I, I tried to, a little bit to, to, to as, as people do in these type of situations, I think I tried to change myself slightly mm. to tailor myself more to... A European style of conducting. Um, yep. What's the difference between those two? So th that's let's let's just uh, let me explain it, I guess, because that's I should explain it before I go any further. Yeah. But, um, in the U.S., conductors are trained the way that um, orchestras run, as you're familiar with. We have very strict union rules. Yep. We have very stringent schedules. Um, Orchestras have very limited rehearsal time, and they do a lot of concerts. And so rehearsal time is very much at a premium. Um, and so when you're trained, I have had, I would say, the kind of the most American of conductor trainings. I went to um, Aspen for three summers, which is considered maybe the premier mm -hmm. American conducting institute. Um, my teacher was was very much in this American school of being very efficient with your time, mm. 
not saying things that are kind of superfluous to the orchestra and really being as direct, intentional, clear, succinct as you can. Um, And that's something that, especially in my job as an associate conductor, I'm... uh, Another exciting part of my life, for example, I'm going uh, to to a few other orchestras this fall mm-hmm. where I'm conducting similar concerts to what I do here, family, education, community, mm. run-out type concerts. In both instances, I have one rehearsal mm. and six to eight performances. Um, and so I basically can't say much of anything it's really fast you have to get stuff done that's it Europe kind of operates and this is a big generalization but Europe kind of operates the other way six rehearsals one concert it's they wow that's nice yeah I mean well in a sense it depends on what you what you value but they certainly they have a huge amount of time and someone one of the other Americans described it to me, and I don't know if this is just a cultural difference, but there they, people here kind of have this live to work um, attitude. Yeah. It's very type A. They show up to their jobs. They, um, career is important, but also there's, there's a very strong sense of nine to five, clock in, clock out. Mm. There, they kind of work to uh, to live. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not that they don't care about their jobs any less. I think the, the career drive is less powerful. People take more time to do things. They're more... And so they, they have this bigger sense of they want to enjoy their time at work. They want, And so it was weird for me because what they were looking from... For from the conductor was much less of come in what they look for here yeah, yeah. it was um, they wanted someone who would talk more and wow. um, they were very interested something I'm not used to at all in the conductor's ideas about the piece um, you know why do you want to do this a certain way it's not to say that American musicians don't don't yeah. aren't interested yes. in that, there's not enough time. Yeah, you there can't... is not enough time. I, I mean, like, I don't book conductors often, but I have in the past, and I will in the future, and it's something that our boss does. She plans the whole season. Yeah. So together, when we were watching conductors during rehearsal, we're watching the clock at the same time and wondering. I work with all of our guest conductors about planning out all of the rehearsals and making sure that we're using the best use of that yeah. that time. So that's so interesting that it's the other it's flipped the other way around that. Right. That sounds so nice from someone like myself who's from the theater world. Yeah. The rehearsals are the funnest part yeah. of, of putting the program together cuz you get very you get nitty-gritty as to like what did the playwright mean yeah. with all of this stuff and it sounds sort of similar in Europe yeah. where you get down to all of those those notes and why did that composer do this and Exactly. That is and people are interested in kind mm-hmm. of the nitty-gritty in rehearsal. This oh, is that's not so to fun. say I mean well it and you know it was interesting for me cuz this is again it's something that I'm so yeah. not trained in. I'm so conditioned to yeah. 
be averse to. Um, and it really speaks to a kind of ideological question of, I was thinking a lot about this when I was there, because it was like, I mean, what do you really, what do you value and what is the role of a conductor? Because they, there's kind of this notion, it surprised me because one of the stereotypes when you watch European orchestras Mm. is that they often tend to move more than American orchestras. There is, there's more kind of body language of expression. And it feels a little bit more like a chamber music setting mm. where people are looking at each other and yeah. playing together. It's not to say that American orchestras don't do that. But, and so there's this sense that Europeans are kind of more collaborative in approach. Mm. Um, but actually, I was struck by this notion of if you um, if you expect the conductor to give you their really strong opinions about the piece, tell you why they feel they should do something a certain way, um, you know, give you these long mm. speeches, lectures about what you see in this music. Yeah. The conductor is really a very powerful um, yeah authoritative yeah. kind of figure in that system they're really determining here's how we play yep the way I was trained and I think kind of somewhat implicit in this efficient rehearsal style uh, you know and kind of this this sense of I'm not gonna totally tell you my deep conception of the piece it's not that it's not there but it's actually I trust the musicians to bring their own Mm. uh, artistic qualities to performances just from my own understanding of U.S. orchestras and the audition experience to Mm -hmm. get into a U.S. orchestra what is is the the audition experience in Europe similar? No, it's different. Um, it's and I, I think they stress a lot more in Europe solo playing yeah. than orchestral playing. Yeah. I think that's why you see this phenomenon of more kind of movement in European orchestras. Is mm-hmm. that they 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 treat their job a lot more like being a solo player, yeah. even in the section of a string mm. uh, section along with all of the the woodwind brass players they they approach it i think more as a solo endeavor here they approach it more as an orchestral endeavor gotcha but it's it's that's what was so weird to me mm. was that you have all of these in this orchestra that i was conducting with these other all european young conductors um you have all these fantastic players yeah who would play something in rehearsal and you would think maybe that's not exactly what I imagined. It might be better than I imagined. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's so soloistic. And then there was there was these conduct and this is no criticism of of my fellow conductors. They were doing what they've been taught and this is how a lot of European conductors operate. Mm. They would say to someone you know, actually, this is how I hear this. Could you change this? Could you? Um, and 
that that person was totally happily happy to just do that. Just took that note. Yeah. Ooh, and yeah. That's and, interesting. And it was it was it's healthy in a way. I think there's more willingness yeah. for adaptability in that system, but also it was kind of a... Do you think that that's just a European thing, or do you think that's just the way that the orchestras are set up? Because that makes me think of like American culture versus just European culture in the way that, that just we are brought up by society. Yeah, I, well, I, I felt like a lot of kind of societal yeah. influences and the the difference in our our cultures exactly impacted um that's so interesting the 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 environment yeah i want to take a brief sec here to mention that we have a excellent sponsor for the next few episodes uh this great app subscription service called Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. They're an app that you can download for your tablet, phone. Obviously, you can do it on the computer as well. It's something I've been using where you can see a bunch of musical scores. They have a huge online library of scores that they've uploaded. It's really impressive what they have up there. So I would encourage our listeners, especially the ones who, who look at music and can read music, but also those who are just curious to go check them out, N-K-O-D-A and CODA. And now let's get back to the show. So did you enjoy your time in Switzerland and learning all of those those skills and being um, exposed to that d- different environment? Because, I mean, you, you work here in the right. U.S. And I'm assuming, I mean... I'm assuming you might want to stay here for a while. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't bash my eyes at working in Europe. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, it was interesting in that uh, I also had a lot of respect for um, the people I talked to there who kind of realized this phenomenon. And a lot of them came up to me and said, uh, we can see your you're an American. Um, not just from the way I talk, yeah. but the way I rehearsed. And they said, you know, use this time where when you're in Europe to enjoy the yeah. extra rehearsal time you have, all this stuff. Um, but you can also just take it as a tool in your arsenal that um, you'll be able to do this uh, if you come back to Europe but also if you if you want it in your own rehearsals and i think i definitely enjoyed it and it was it was super educational for me in that way and that mm-hmm. it was something very much out of my comfort zone that that really made me think about why i rehearse the way i do why i do things the way i do and what could be added to that i yeah. don't think that like you said i mean I'm American. I, I, I think my career uh, aspirations lie primarily here, although, mm. as you mentioned, I always love going to Europe. Yeah. Um, but it is... Uh, it was a great learning experience because it's it's something that I think I, I can and will try to use um, to the best of my ability here because I think there are certain... Positives. I think there are certain elements of uh, European orchestras, maybe European society, as yeah. you're saying, that are that are better, and certain elements of American that are that are are better. Yeah, yeah. 
I guess from someone who did not like grow up uh, studying violin like you did yeah. or some classical music yeah. like you did is it seems as if Europe has this like scholar scholarly exploration approach to rehearsals yeah is that at all like what you got when you were studying as a as a kid cuz i would imagine like perhaps from my own experience when studying the arts though not classical music it was very much like I would be in class and we would discuss the work together and then we would work on that piece. Right. Yeah. I think that's that, that, yeah, that's, um, it's, that's true that they have this kind of, the conductor is like a scholarly figure in a way. It's very collegial. Like, yeah. yeah. And it, it is, and you're expected to deliver your interpretation of the piece Mm. Um, it's it's enhanced I think this whole issue is enhanced by me being a young conductor which is something we can also talk about later but if we put that aside there is this sense that um, the conductor is kind of a scholar in Europe and I think it's it's less um, less of that here and you asked about the training here I think I would I would venture to say that Americans can be just as good, yeah. just as um, just a different approach, powerful musicians as as Europeans, and there's no less scholarship and training. Mm. The difference is that you know I take um, I was a music major in undergrad. I didn't go. Um, to a, a conservatory for undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I majored in kind of history and theory. I did a lot of music scholarship. Mm. Um, I take that as a granted that anyone who goes into the field of conducting specifically should have a huge gra- knowledge and firm grasp on music theory, yeah. music history. All of that should be a given. <clears throat> I think that's part of what you're paid for, the kind of trust that an orchestra places in you when they, they put you on a podium. But you don't have to talk about that. Or, you know, that's more in the background. All of that informs these choices that you make in rehearsal about what to say. Yeah. But you're not always explaining your reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think in Europe, people want you to explain your reasons. And I think the lack of explaining your reasons often contributes to people thinking you don't have reasons at all, mm-hmm. you know, because I think the the stereotype is Americans or just efficient rehearsers just say louder, softer, shorter, longer. That's it, you know. And you can say a lot with those four yeah. words, you know. There's a conductor can say first violins, I'd like that a little shorter, or they can say first violins. I'd like for you to imagine a bird that's pecking a tree, uh, you know, a a woodpecker. And I'd love for you to play this like the sound of a woodpecker's beak on the tree. Yep. And that takes a lot more time to say that. It does. Um, Time that you often don't have. Yep. We both see both approaches yeah. on our own stage. Own, yeah. I'm sure you've seen people who talk a lot. Yep. And Oh yeah. And 
it's possible that some people who say shorter, they don't have an image, any sort of concept beyond that that they want to offer. But there's also, I'd like to think I'm in this category, that I'm constantly thinking in terms with more grandeur than shorter, longer, faster, slower. But you reduce it to as few words as you can um, to be as direct, succinct as possible. And you leave the inspiration to the musicians. That's a great life skill. It's just like learning to communicate in the best words and in the best way possible. Yeah, I think I I have to say I don't know if you've experienced this in in your interactions with me my own not to, I, I don't know how self-aware I am, but I think I'm a pretty direct person oh, and yeah. I try not to um There's I, no there's no coding. It's, yeah, it's... exactly. And that's and but I mean and that's I think a function of just it makes a great for a great conductor and a great colleague, to be honest. Well, yeah. I, hopefully, I mean that's like <laughs> I, you know it's that's uh, how I've been trained, and yeah. it's really it gets beaten out of you when you have to stand in front of sixty eyes. So what is that like? Getting up there, yeah. It's it's a very and then you've got a whole house of people behind you too. Yeah. Well, specifically, let's just take even a rehearsal. Like I think it's interesting too. Um, in the context of my my little European trip here, you know, I had to get up in front of this orchestra for the first time mm. and conduct them. And I think hopefully we'll maybe do an entire episode or series of episodes on the conductor's role, mm. the conducting profession, as I, we mentioned earlier, kind of leadership, psychology, all yeah. that stuff that goes into it. But it's... Um, unbelievably scary okay. you know about to start of course if it was still unbelievably scary I, it, it would be a rough life yeah. I, I've I've gotten past that but I remember um, the first time I conducted an orchestra I'm sure a lot of people have had this experience when you public speak mm-hmm. or you act I'm mm-hmm. sure um, I actually first had this experience when I played a competition when I was nine years old um, on the violin and it was my first competition and I looked at the judge the entire time because I was just like playing for a judge and I was terrified. I was a nine-year-old. I had the piece memorized. It was like muscle memory, didn't need to think about anything, stared at the judge the entire time. And the guy just had kind of a resting... Uh, frown face, you know, and he was really like a pretty stern guy, and he just looked pissed off the entire <laughs> time. And so I got out of the room, and you know, I went immediately to my parents and just lost it. Aww. I remember it was like this was a disaster. The guy hated it, and I won the competition. Did you yeah, win? It was, it was, but it was like a good. Uh, what a good judge. I mean, like, what a terrifying judge, but what a good poker face that judge had. Yeah, for sure. But that's but you learn yeah. that that was a great learning experience for me. Never look at the judge. Don't when you look play. at that judge. But of course, when you rehearse an orchestra, yeah. you have to look at people. You <laughs> yes, have to because you you're talking to them. Yep. And the first time I conducted, I remember. I, I had this, idea. I think it's an understandable thing, like most people when they public speak for the first time yeah. or something. You get up there and you tell someone something. Can you play this a little short or whatever? And you expect that they're going to smile back at you 
nod their head, give you a thumbs up. Of course, you know, that sounds great. Mm. And really, they have stoic, stone-cold faces. You have no way, because that's, this is just another day for them, Mm. another conductor. For them, it's not this terrifying experience of being in front of 60 people. And so I came away from that just like, oh my God, it was it was terrible. <laughs> Everyone was unhappy the whole time. And I had to learn to get past that. Yeah. And and you 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 have to develop actually a very thick skin. Yeah. Because uh it's one of the I don't know of many types of people who are more judgmental than musicians. <laughs> and You've got 60 judgmental musicians. That's not to say that's not so much in a bad way. They're required to yeah. make assessments about things all the time. And so they're judging you and they're really like, is this person good? Is this person not good? How are they doing? How are they? And so every time you get up there, it's a little bit of a test. You, to a certain extent, kind of have to be addicted to that kind of pressure to get through it because it's like, you know, it is very exciting every day. Like, so are you addicted to the kind of pressure? Yeah. Yet? I, I mean, I yeah, no, I, I've, well, I've always been, um, hopefully not in an unhealthy way, but I've always been addicted to the pressure yeah. of performing. Yeah. I think, I, I hope that's what makes a good performer is that I don't really get uh, nervous anymore uh, in in a kind of jittery way, like I, I don't. Um, okay. Backstage before a performance, I'm pretty relaxed. Yeah. I don't have a lot of yeah, concerns. We'll be hanging out. Yeah, exactly. But but I do when you get out there, and also it's more for a conductor in the rehearsal when people are judging you, and you know. Yeah. Um, it, I find that it keeps things interesting because you always have to do your best. Yeah. Um, and. No, it's perfect. You can't always do your best. But if you wake up every day having to do your best, try to do your best, it's it's an exciting day. Yeah, you know? it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, if it's not already evident, I obviously really love conducting, mm. but I, but it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And so I'm hoping that maybe in the coming episodes, uh, at some point, we'll be able to talk about it more. I know we have a. Now that we're back, we we should say you know we have, we'll have much more consistent episodes once again, like we did um, last season. Now that our season is starting up, mm-hmm. and we have some exciting new things on the horizon, um, which we'll be talking about as as they come up. But uh, I think people should keep a lookout because there's there's a lot more stuff coming from should us. Definitely. This year. Keep out. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a fun fall. It's gonna yeah. be a fun season. Yeah. yeah. So, we, thanks to our listeners for hanging with us through our our little hiatus there. But we hope you had a good summer. Exactly. Exactly. Let us know how your yeah. summer was. Please come to our. We have a our website, which which uh, I've mentioned before on the podcast, but I should mention again because um, it's been slightly updated. And if you haven't seen it, you know. We have a breakdown of all the techniques there. We have links to all the episodes, but also I think there's a lot of information on there that that would be helpful to people. Attention to detail, pod.com. So we're glad to be back. Yeah, and uh, we'll see people soon. Thanks so much for listening. Yep, thank you. See you soon.
For more information about this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com, where you'll find a list of techniques presented in these episodes and a two-week program for starting your own listening practice. You can also find us on all of your favorite social media channels. We encourage you to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating. We hope to see you soon at a concert.